Eat, drink, smoke, or eat the fine food. Drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. Tony Katz, it's good to be with you. That's Fingers Malloy. Indianapolis, a perfect, perfect Memorial Day. It's Havana Cigar Lounge because our favorite place, Blend, still in the shutdown hell. And as we're sitting here getting ready to start, Michigan extends their stay-at-home order. Being all things Michigan, Fingers Malloy. Um, there can't be anybody who doesn't hate Governor Gretchen Whitmer. There, there can't be anybody who's like, you know what? She really cares about the people. people what she cares about. People are so pissed in the state of Michigan. Between what has happened with this, these stay-at-home orders that keep getting extended. And we had some dams break up there. Yeah. that uh, 500-year floods, Yeah, we are told. Yeah, that were uh, ignored. There were warning signs that these dams may not hold. Uh, we got uh, extreme rain up there, and uh, they did, and the dams broke, and lots of damage. I've got uh, a cousin who has a little cabin. Uh, Bernie Sanders would call it a summer camp. Yep. Uh, and uh, it was it was completely flooded. And so between that and the stay-at-home orders that keep getting extended, we... We've talked about it on previous shows where we were sold at the beginning that this was going to be a two-week thing to flatten the curve, and now it seems like it's been. It feels like it's been six months, even though it hasn't. But it, it just we're just keep moving the the goalposts, uh, and it's it's unacceptable. And people in Michigan are angry. Well, that we all got lied to, and we've all been lied to, and this is now a lie. This is no longer about public health. We're into a whole. Different thing. We'll get, we've, we've discussed it and we'll get into it. Let's start with the drink because we always start, and especially uh, the people in Michigan, we drink for you. This is the Russell's Reserve Tenure, part of uh, the Wild Turkey family. It's a straight bourbon, 90 proof, aged 10 years. It's got a mash bill, 75% corn, 13% rye, and 12% malted barley. A bourbon has to be at least 51% corn, aged and first used, first use charred oak barrels. That's the way. It, it has to go. I drank something over the weekend that was uh, aged in uh, sherry barrels, and they still called it bourbon. It was not bourbon. I don't know what it was. I, I had it. Did you at least enjoy it? I did not. <laughs> I, there was uh, Enjoyment is not the word I would use. I, I said, oh, Projectile well. vomit? Is I, that I, I said, well, people? that's liquidy. And then I sat it down and went back to my cigar and, and paid it no mind. Uh, this... Um, done i think one of the russells before we may have done this so i'm curious to see where we are what i went for was as we've been discussing cost effective because this is 38 dollars a bottle 38 dollars a bottle that's something you can have in in your liquor cabinet same right. thing with the cigar when we get to that i went to cost effective because i think there's going to be a lot of that going on over the next three to six months if not longer people who may not have even lost their gig but are still a little wary about what's going on, taking a look at what's happening, not uh, so sure. So this is vanilla and caramel on the nose. going to be some graham cracker uh, in there. This is more in, that, in, a, in a classic bourbon style. It'll, caramel will lead. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of, of spice that's supposed to uh, follow it. And a rye that's supposed to, finish in the, supposed to engage the finish with a bit of toasted marshmallow. That's how it is described uh, by some. That nose is indeed, well, I would say that's right. That is unbelievably sweet. feels like, to me, it's, it smells like marshmallow meets sugar cookie. 
Right. Well, one of the ways they describe it is as a plane flies overhead, graham cracker. So is that marshmallow meat sugar cookie? You know? Yeah. Maybe that's what it is uh, that you're getting. It's actually a nice nose. It's actually rather full. There's a bit of an alcohol I get uh, from it, but a 90 proof, I, I, I shouldn't, but I do. So let's, to, all right, we do it neat. And then we have the rock uh, side. So to yeah, your here's to mud your health. Is, is that what they say with oh. the mud? Um, <laughs> that's active on the tongue. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm not saying if it's bad. I'm just I'm a little surprised. Hold on, I got to do it again. I got to do it again. Hold on. You know, for ninety proof, it feels like a stronger bourbon. I just uh, I just drooled. <laughs> For a 90 proof, it feels like a much... I mean, I'm doing a cube right away. Not even wasting time. That's not bad at all. I don't know where we were on it over a year ago. I don't even know if it was the same one. But that's pretty full. It's, it's certainly got a strength. I don't know if this is for everybody at, at the table. Um, I think the idea of the oak, I think that's uh, definitely uh, there. But it's it's that's, big and it's big in the chest. Like I can feel it in the mid chest. Um, but it's it's definitely got a top line sweetness. Oh wait a second! This now I see. I would say this is a, a bourbon you would you like. You dig the higher proofs fingers. Yeah. You dig the stronger things. Are you okay? with Oh this? yeah, yeah. It's it's spicy on the tongue with a a little uh, a little sting, <laughs> little sting on the yeah, tongue, right. and a little burn. Down the uh, esophagus. Oddly enough, for all the sweet that's in there, it does start off with a spice. The sweet comes later. The sweet almost builds. And it's really nice on the rocks. I think yeah. I could do some more rock. That is not bad. And what a. For a, 38 bucks. I was just about to say, that's a, it's a great bourbon or, you know, for the price. Okay, I'm going to go from not bad to good. That's good. That's good. 38 bucks. That's good. I should be a little more. You know, clear in, in those kinds of descriptions, right? It's good or it's very good. Like, yeah. that, that maybe I need more categories, you know, in that. Oh, you can have that in. You will not be afraid to pour that. Mm-mm. You know, that's, it's, it's weird. 90 proof, but not, I would not argue for the faint of heart at all in, in any way. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to it. I want to see. I'm going to throw another couple because we don't have the big sphere this time. We only have some of the small cubes. So I'm going to throw another couple in there. I'm wondering if it needs water to open it up more than it needs a level of chill, because I didn't feel that. Hmm. By, by the way, a nice, healthy pour here at, at Havana yeah, Cigar they're not, Lounge. They're not kidding. They, they, they came to see you not walk away. <laughs> um, it is hard to make light of exactly what these governors are doing to the states. But holy cow. I mean, here in our Indianapolis, it, it's funny. We're just over the border in a place called Hamilton County. They can be open. It's fine. It's good. It's great. Marion County, where Indianapolis is, no. The restaurants can open only for outdoor seating and only at 50%. It's, it's just it's crazy. It, it's, it's embarrassing what we're doing in some places, and then they change in others. Like, people aren't going to drive from one county to another, right? right. That, 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 of course that's going on. But Michigan, what's happening in, in uh, North Carolina, though, there's a conversation Trump started today. Or yesterday about moving the RNC. The RNC, the Republican National Convention, is supposed to take place in Charlotte. And he's like, listen, if you're not going to open, we're going to have to go to some place that's friendlier. We can do it quick. Do you know how much it takes? Have you ever been to one of these conventions? <laughs> I have been to one of these conventions. There's no way you can, at a drop of a hat, just decide you're going to move the thing. Except there could be cities that this year 
move heaven and earth to try and make it happen. Right? The biggest one, when you talk about one of the RNCs or the DNCs, is a security issue. Never mind where you put the people. Never mind where you put the press. Uh, I did this uh, 2016 in Cleveland, Mm -hmm. and they put the press literally an hour and 45 minutes away. I was so far out, it was insane. I had to pay somebody else to stay at their hotel. That's how far away uh, I was. It's, It's a logistical nightmare. They, they literally shut down, shut the downtown. They shut the areas, gates, fencing, like you've, nothing you've ever seen before. Uh, but it's it's a logistical uh, security nightmare. There are a couple places I think that could do it at the drop of the hat. Indianapolis is actually one of those places. I have no faith in the mayor to make that possible. But they're 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 talking about this because North Carolina is extending these things through. They're just keeping it oh keeping it closed. And there seems to be no good reason for it. And then you get to the Ozarks. No escaping Lake of the Ozarks party COVID. People were at these parties at Lake of the Ozarks and just hundreds of people in the pool and hanging out and nose to nose and drinking. Is it that we don't care at all about coronavirus or we don't believe anything about coronavirus? I think that it's a a couple of things. I think that... Going back to what we were talking about earlier, we were told at the beginning that this was going to be a two-week thing. And you know, we were flattening the curve, and we were making sure that healthcare professionals had their proper PPE. Now it's been you know six, seven weeks of this, and the American people are saying, okay, the, the hospitals aren't overrun. We're not, we're not hearing stories anymore of, of ventilator shortages and... Uh, the, the ICUs in the rest of the country, they, they aren't being overrun. So we, we're going to go back to what we were going to normally do on a Memorial Day weekend. I think that's what's going on here. It's, the American people are looking at this and saying, okay, we, we played along for a while, but now we've flattened the curve. We need to start getting back to life, whatever the new normal is. They tried to sell us on what the rules change was, and we said no. We think there are rules. Now, that's not true of everybody, but it's certainly true of plenty, and, I, and I'm happy about the plenty. I, uh, if you go to TonyCats.com, I've got a piece up about the New York Times, which we'll get into in a second. I absolutely believe that coronavirus is real and coronavirus kills. I do not believe the numbers that they present to us, because if you take presumptive positives and you put them in a list of people who died from coronavirus, that's not science. We have seen Colorado reduce their numbers, the people they say died of coronavirus, because they thought they overcounted. Then you have Illinois, where one of the, I, was, I think it was the health director, speaking at one of the press conferences, said, if you present with uh, where comorbidity, meaning something else, hypertension or heart disease or whatever it is, clearly killed you, but coronavirus was present, we call it coronavirus. As some doctors have told me, well, that's because if you put down coronavirus, you'll get paid more. You yeah. get reimbursed more. I don't want to sit here and claim that doctors are doing anything wrong. This would be more a hospital conversation than a doctor conversation. But how do I even take a look at the at this point, 95,000 plus deaths? How do I look at that and say that's legit? And how do I look at it and not notice that almost half of those cases are in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, that tri-state area? You mean for 50,000 cases outside that area, we shut down everything? No one is buying. I shouldn't say that. Too many people are buying, but a lot of people aren't. And that's why you see this. And you still see the press somehow vilifying 
oh, these people are going to get everyone killed. Oh, Trump hasn't done enough. It's it's as much Trump hate as they can put out there. And this isn't even about support of Trump. I'm not a fan of everything that he's done. Uh, but it's it's so vicious in the hate that they don't get to the science. And the science, there's now a story out that the idea of asymptomatic patients, not real. When they discussed asymptomatic, they said the first cases were these cases in Germany where a woman came from Shanghai and she was asymptomatic. She got sick on the plane going home. Well, someone did some digging and they found that she was showing symptoms when she was in Germany. So maybe it's possible there's no such thing as an asymptomatic carrier. You either have it or you don't. And that's all there is. You either get sick or you don't. And that's all there is. So if there's no asymptomatic, what did we all stay home for? If there's no asymptomatic, we quarantine the healthy, which is not the way society of any type, anywhere in history, has ever actually done anything. This is not what you do. This is an irrational position. But I'm hoping that people are saying no, and I am still pointing out every chance I get. Look at how much media hates you for noticing that you got lied to. They hate you for noticing. Yeah, and... You know, we're, we're told that so many of these decisions that are made by these governors is based on science. Well, science, part of science, <laughs> yeah, you rely on data. And clearly the data is not accurate. I mean, we talked about it last week where you've got a coroner in Colorado putting on a death certificate uh, that a person died of acute alcohol poisoning because their blood alcohol level is 0.55, but the state of Colorado comes over the top and says, no, 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 no. Uh, he also tested positive for coronavirus, so he died of coronavirus. Right. Is that insane? You can't believe the data. So uh, I, I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the people going out and having a good time. You don't know what to believe anymore from not only the, the mainstream media, but your own government officials. The question's going to be, when do the people say, no, we're opening up? Because you have this, you have this gym in New Jersey. We talked about this that wanted to open up, and then the police came and told everyone to have a good day, and they thought they were off the hook. And the police came the next day and arrested somebody, and the health department shut them down. And I've seen posts from gyms in New Jersey: make sure we're being responsible. What the hell is being responsible about not feeding your family? Wow, what makes you think that's responsible? Staying closed and listening to Phil Murphy is not necessarily the responsible position. It is the position of weakness for sure. And it may be your position. You don't want to open. I don't think that you should if you don't want to open. I think that's rational. Saying that somebody else shouldn't be able to open, that's weakness. That's where it comes into play. And when will the people start fighting back? Because I know that people are, are you know, I, I, I host the two radio shows and i don't know about you but i get letters and comments and, and why aren't you saying more about this why aren't you helping to fight back i can't open your business for you right i can't be the one who looks the health department in the eye and say bite me and physically throw somebody out i'm not the one who just keeps opening and keeps opening and keeps opening and keeps serving and gets arrested and goes back. i can't do that for you i don't have that ability or that capacity but that's what's going to take the problem is is that it isn't going to take one. It's going to take a thousand and one. If you think about how to engage protest properly, if one person, if two people, three people reopen their business, that's easy for the city or the state to deal with and arrest. When everybody reopens, what do you do? So there's, you need the mass number 
in order to be able to force their hand because what they're doing is saying that in the guise of health, which has no scientific basis. I mean, coronavirus is real, but understanding how this virus works, nobody knows. That's why it's called the novel. It's new. Coronaviruses have been around for a bajillion forevers. But novel coronavirus, meaning it's new. The mutations and everything else are new. So the only way that you fight back against a city or a municipality or a state is not if one of you opens. If it's if a thousand of you open all at the same time. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. You're, you're starting to hear of small towns doing that, where businesses are getting together and saying, we're all opening at the same time. And see what the law enforcement will do let's make it local here in indianapolis you got marion county it's it's pretty much on lockdown right now there's a a little area of uh of indianapolis called broad ripple it's got a nice little uh main strip of bars and restaurants if they all got together and said hey we're all opening monday morning still open yeah i mean i can name for you a couple places in broad ripple they've already shut down they've already shut down old pro's table Shut down. Get out. Bruges. You know, Old Pro's Table is, was, a, was a hangout pool hall. Yeah. Uh, old school kind of place. Bruges, their thing was mussels and fries. Actually spectacular. They used to do a stew that was sensational. They say they're going to open somewhere else, but I don't believe them. Oh, my gosh. I, I can walk through the casualty list of, of, of central Indiana. We have yet to even begin to understand the depths of... Of the things, because the top line will be the those those large scale closures, you know, J. Crew or J. C. Penny, right? Uh, oh, Pier One, things like that, and some things that may have been expected. Coronavirus didn't cause Pier One's debacle. Pier One caused Pier One's debacle because you don't need that much wicker. <laughs> so you you you've got those. Then you've got that restaurant scene all across the country. Wait till we start seeing what happens to those people that service those restaurants. Credit card processors. Uniform people that provide the towels and the runners and everything else. Food service. We don't even know the depths of how this thing is going to go. This isn't just one business and out. These are industries and out. Hotels. Hotels are at, at least in our area, 3% occupancy for the ones that are open. What makes us think? What will it take for them to reopen? How, how is that going to work? And the ones that can, are going to work on a half staff for the next nine months, what does that other half of staff do? And the conventions that are gone, and the weddings that are gone, and the bar mitzvahs that are gone, yeah. the whole thing. And the rental car companies are suffering. It didn't Hertz just go? I, I believe so, I yeah. I think they did. And which will also affect not only um, auto manufacturers in this country who base a lot of their uh, revenue sales. on fleet sales. Right. Uh, the used car market is going to really tank because you're going to have all of these cars on the market. So you're, you're already seeing used car prices drop. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. The the hospitality industry is it's just going to take a huge hit, has taken a huge hit. And all of the things that supply another plane. Of a, thank goodness the skies are safe. <laughs> what supplies the hospitality industry? That's where the untold is, right? We can see the restaurants and everything else. Now, I noticed that as uh, we're doing this, we're, we're outdoors at Havana Cigar Lounge, HavanaCigarLounge.vip, and next to it is Hyatt Place. They just built this. This is a whole new area that they built. It's gorgeous. It's fantastic. Restaurants everywhere. There's an outdoor open area that we're around, and across, literally across a, 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 a driveway is Hyatt Place, a new 106-room hotel. 
and not a single person in it. That's an empty hotel you're staring at, Fingers Malloy. Yeah, I'm looking around into the windows. Uh, Hopefully, I'll still not have a restraining order on me after I'm looking through these. But you look at every window, and it doesn't look like there are any rooms occupied. Now, you and I travel a lot. I have never traveled anywhere where I could stay at a hotel, walk outside, there are six restaurants in front of me, and a cigar lounge. I would move there. Right. I would openly weep. They built this. They knew what they were getting into. There's, there's uh, an Ikea across the street. There's a, a lot going on in this area. And that place is empty. They built a hotel. And who knows the next time they're going to be at anything close to a full occupancy. So we take a look at that. And we look at that top line of what's happening with this lodging company. All the people who provide them sheets, towels, water. Um, a bottle of water, you know, right. all everything that's in the mini bar, uh, the, the the cleaning products, the everything. The hits are dramatic, and those hits come down to commissions for salespeople, and that means their kids aren't able to get uh, to go to uh, the the camp or to get the computer, or whatever. So those things are then hit. That never ending down the line, we don't even begin to know how bad it is. Right. I mean, you you try to come up with a list of all of the industries and, and places that are being impacted by this. Think about the bartenders who are working in airport bars, make a you know a, a good living, and and now all of a sudden you've got what is uh, airport traffic now like at fifteen percent of what it used to be. Those, those. I'm assuming that if you own some sort of restaurant or bar at a hotel or at an airport, it costs a heck of a lot of money. Which is one of the reasons why your, you know, bourbon is twenty dollars at an airport <laughs> bar. To, to the, the impact there, it, it's going to be huge too. Uh, I'm really looking forward to in September. I'm going to fly again. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to think twice about it. Uh, I, I know other people are, are starting to get back into their business travel mode again. So a, a little bit of that is going to pick up. Are you apprehensive at all about getting I'm on an not. airplane at this point? I am not. You know, uh, the family and I were supposed to go to Israel next month. Uh, we're doing, you know, uh, B'nai Mitzvah's there. You know, kids are, are at, at the right age. We're Jewish. And so we were going to go and we we're going to do it there. And then all this happened, and in Israel not only um, canceling flights on, on LL, but saying that if you come, you got to spend two weeks in quarantine. Well, if they weren't doing the two weeks in quarantine and we could still get a flight, we might still very well go. But you want to go when you know everything is moving. You want to be able to have access to everything. We didn't want to lose out on those right. I- I- experiences. Um, would I fly again? I would fly again tomorrow. Um, that doesn't mean that there's every place I would go to. So, uh, for example, um, would I go to Vegas? The answer is yes. I would actually go to Vegas tomorrow if you wanted to go to Vegas. I would go. Sounds like a great place Vegas. for the Republicans to move their convention. It would be brilliant and spectacular. I, I, that would actually be a very good place for them to go. Um, would I go to New York? No. Now, let's now. So let's, let's, let's move it to uh, October. Would I go to Vegas? Most probably. Would I go to New York? No. I don't think there's another trip for me to New York. And remember, I do stuff right. with TV. I, 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 I've got things to do there. I've got a setup. I'm good. And one of the unique things is that everybody now accepts this. They're, everyone is going to accept the not being in studio. Yep. So the idea that you have to be there is um, is is mythology. Now, I still think it's gonna, it can help a little bit in the career building and things like that. I won't lie to you. Right. Um, 
But no, I don't think there's a trip for me to New York. I don't think until 2021. Is there something that could happen that could make me be like, all right, I'll go? Like, is there an opportunity so great that I'm willing to risk it? I don't know. I don't know. And part of it is it, it, it's because I, I'm very honest, I think, about what I'm dealing with. Coronavirus is real. People in New York have died. People in New York have gotten sick because of urban density, because of some very poor planning, because of some very bad work by Mayor de Blasio. But how many of those are actually the nursing home deaths, which is really the fault of Chris, uh, of Chris Cuomo, of, of Andrew Cuomo? Chris Cuomo is at fault for different things at CNN. Um, so I, I, wanna, I would want to triple check those numbers before going. Would you go to New York right now? No. Would you go to Vegas right now? Yes. See? Yeah. No, it's because it's Vegas. So you're well, abs- absolutely. I'm a, de- a degenerate gambler at heart, so I would go to to Vegas in a heartbeat. But uh, no, it, what's going on in New York? It, it, plus, it's really creepy to you see the footage of New York City right now, and, right. Uh, I, and this is the way it is everywhere. Of course, you, you see footage on the Strip. In Las Vegas, it's the same way where it feels like the apocalypse happened. There's no tra- foot traffic or anything. But uh, the other thing, too, about going to New York, it's it's not a pleasant place to be in Manhattan in the middle of summer. You know? <laughs> Vegas, I can handle right, the, heat, enough. the heat because, you know, the, it's always it's dry. It's always 72 in the casino. Right. Right. But... Uh, you know, walking around Manhattan with a, you know, being encouraged to wear a mask and it's 90 degrees outside with, you know, the humidity. Eh. Feh, as they say. Feh. <laughs> oh, look at you, fitting in already. You could be at the bar mitzvah. You could replace Aunt Sheila. By the way, there is actually an Aunt Sheila. She's just lovely. Uh, I, I tell you. Uh, drinking uh, the Russell's Reserve. This is the 10-year. Uh, got a few cubes in there, so it's opened up. It's got a little water in there. It's lovely, man. It's fantastic. the The ice cubes took away that little bit of spice on the tongue and the burn going down, and it's opened up nicely. And it's for th- at thirty eight dollars a bottle. Yeah, I think you, that's got to be part of your liquor cabinet. I think it does too. This is. Don't get me wrong. You definitely will feel a burn in the mid chest. You absolutely, positively will, which is weird because you don't get those on on every ninety proof. But it's it's flavorful in a couple of ways. You've got. A nice sweetness that kind of opens up. It almost gets a touch syrupy. I don't know if I get toasted marshmallow, but those caramel vanilla notes are prominent. They're clear. You can actually feel them uh, both, and there's a there's there's a warmth to it. I don't know if it's a leatheriness or what have you. This is this is just working out just great. Let's see if it pairs with the cigar and Fanimation. Fantastic, world class sponsor. Fanimation.com ceiling fans. Which, you know, if, if you're living in New York, in Manhattan, during the summer, and it's a walk-up, you probably don't have air conditioning, you're going to need. Fanimation ceiling fans are amazing. Those whisper-quiet motors, LED lighting, indoor, outdoor, and fully customizable. You make them look any way you want to look. you got to check it out for yourself. Fanimation.com. They're available where fine fans are sold. you got to ask for it by name, but be sure to check out the website. Fanimation. Fanimation. Fanimation.com. Also, the Facebook page, Fanimation. And then tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. That's, that would be very helpful. And also subscribe to the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast on Apple Podcasts. Read a, read a review, sure. Write a review, better. Leave a review uh, and a five-star review. Do all of those things. Eat, Drink, Smoke on Apple Podcasts. So again, value. What... 
where are people going to be with their dollars and, and how is it going to look? And, and only proof that you don't have to spend outrageous to get something good. I don't think you have to spend outrageous to get the, this Russell tenure. On the cigar, uh, this is uh, the Padron 7000 series. Now, people usually do the 1964 Padron. There's the 1926. There's the Family Reserve. There are a lot of really great Padron cigars. People think I think of the Padron 64 as that's that's a, a high-end cigar. And I'm not saying that it isn't. You could pay anywhere between $19 and $35 for things within that family and probably a little bit more. Then they've got what is known as this brown label, the Padron series, uh, 4000 5000 uh, things like that. This is the 7000 This is a honker. This is So what's weird is this is a 60 ring gauge, 60 by 6 and a quarter. So 6 and a quarter is the length, how long it is. Tee-hee. He always makes him laugh. And 60 is the ring gauge, how thick it is around. The weird story here is that because I think of the way that it is packaged in the box, it has a touch of a box press feel. Yeah. You could feel a flat bottom on this. So it doesn't – a 60 is a big, big ring gauge. It doesn't smoke like one. It doesn't feel like one. Which is really, really weird. But that could just be me. That's the way I'm getting it right now. This is a Nicaraguan uh, uh, Pura, right? It is Nicaraguan in the wrapper, in the binder, in the filler. It can come as a, a natural or as a Maduro. This is uh, the Maduro right here. You can find these for 7 to $9 a stick. Get out. It's a... It's... Padron does great work. And one of the things I am an appreciator, appreciator of is that construction-wise... I have not run into problems with Padrones. Doesn't mean that it can't happen, but I always feel like I'm getting something that that is worthwhile. I don't feel like somehow it's gonna it's gonna fall apart on me. I feel this way about this as well. Now it is a medium to full body cigar. I would not recommend this for someone's first cigar. But if you want to have some things where you could actually buy the whole box and then you could throw a, a, a humidity pack in the box, close it, and, and you don't have to you know bother with your humidor. Just just have them. It lasts you the summer, or I don't know, maybe for some people, last two weeks beats me. Uh, this is one of them. And also, it, it, there's a touch of time investment uh, with, with this uh, Padron. There are a lot of other ways you, you can look at this. And you can look at the 4,000, the 5,000, the 6,000, which are in different uh, shapes at different sizes. Um, the 7,000, six and a quarter by 60. It's, it's absolutely uh, a, 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 a big one on here. And I, I don't know if it's my favorite cigar. But I am not throwing it out of bed. This is uh, worthwhile. Smoke up. This is just glorious. Look, especially at this price point. I mean, did you look it up? Did you? Just look I'm. It up? Oh, the, I'm already. Look, we're we're barely into it. Right. We just. But did. I'm already loving this. Uh, and at that price point, you know, like you said. Uh, we both travel a lot, and I'm getting to the point now where I'm taking cigars with me, and I'm also bringing a few extra to hand out. Right. I, I think people, if you don't know much about cigars, you see the Padron name on it, you're, you're very happy that, that you're getting one of these. I would go, though, if I was doing that, I would go to the 4,000, 6.5 by 54 on the ring gauge, a little bit easier to comprehend, a little bit easier to understand. I think if you're handing out 60s, you're ex- you got to know the person. You're expect you're expecting a oh, lot. I'm, of I'm somebody. saying f- friends. Okay. I'm not, I'm not right. just not. Hey, hey, buddy, you've just met. Have a cigar. Uh, you know how many times I've done that in my life? I know you. You know how many times? Well, <laughs> I will sit down somewhere. I'll be like, "What's up here?" 
<laughs> well, I know you, you you shared a story last year where you were what you're on Times Square or at Times Square or somewhere in Manhattan, and you were handing out cigars. No, so. I, I wasn't on Times Square. I was in New York last year. This is one of the great stories because it's the proof that everything we're told that everyone hates each other and, and everyone's scared of me, total garbage. I am uh, 34th and, oh, I forget what, right near where Macy's is. That's where I was staying. And there's a little park area. They took some of the street away and they put in like a, they put in tables. And then they've got these giant stones so people can't drive their cars, safety, whatever it is. I'm sitting on one of the stones. I'm sitting on one of the stones, and I am. Uh, did I just? I thought I just ashed on myself, and, and I'm smoking a cigar. Okay, I am. I am me. I'm a white male in Manhattan smoking a cigar. So far, I have nine strikes against me, <laughs> according to what the PC police want to keep telling you. And the first thing that happens is, is this young black woman comes up to me and says, "Do you happen to have a cigarette?" No, sorry, I only smoke cigars. Do you do you want one? Actually said, do you want one? She goes, no, I'm good, but but thank you so much. She could have gone up to anyone, anybody, anywhere she came up to me. She wasn't afraid of me. She didn't think less of me. She didn't engage in politics. Of, hmm, I wonder what this guy's all... None of that. Do you have a cigarette? Lovely, lovely girl. About 10, 15 minutes later, this guy comes up to me. I think from the accent, he was Indian. I can't tell you. He says, excuse me, do you know where such and such a place is? And I said, I think it's two blocks, whatever I said. Okay, thanks. He could have gone up to anybody. He could have gone up to somebody who, quote unquote, looked like him. No, he came up to me. Five minutes later, this young black girl comes up to me in her 20s. Young. Look at me. Look, I just became my father. I'm a <laughs> schmuck. And says, hey, can you take my picture? I'm like, yeah, sure. I guess she had to take her picture for somebody. Hands me her phone, walks 20 feet away. I could have run. With well. Jo- Stop it. <laughs> I am so miraculously fleet of foot. And, and I, I take her picture, and she says, thank you very much. So the, the story is, is that here I am, these three different people. No one thought somehow they shouldn't say hello. Nobody was worried or concerned. It is the, the great lies that we, we tell or we get told in America about people hating people and people won't and worried about this and always, you know, you know what, what does someone look like? It, none of, that's not true. Now, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We go to uh, Seattle. The headline from TMZ was Asian couple attacked by xenophobe. So here's the story. There's this couple walking down the street. She's got an umbrella. He's holding her hand. They're both wearing masks. And all of a sudden, this other guy who's in a hoodie and a a mask, he can't really see his face, pushes the guy. I mean, hits him hard. And then they're being confrontational and they're yelling at each other. And the story is that this guy who was in the hoodie hit the guy who was Asian because coronavirus is all their fault. Wow. That of the dumbest kind of concept you could ever, ever ask for. It's all their fault. One of those. Now, the detectives, according to Seattle police, have an image of a person of interest in one of those cases. I can't tell you if the guy ran into the guy A, ran into guy B because he was like, oh, you're Asian. You're at fault for coronavirus or because he was a mentally deficient putz. In both cases, he might be a mentally deficient putz. Right. But in one case, he was targeting a guy because he's a mentally deficient putz. 
The reason we hear about these stories is because they happen so infrequently. Right? Yeah. There's a difference between real, which there is real stories and real cases of bigotry and hate. I'm Jewish. I don't know these stories. You take a look. I, I'm not even a believer in hate crimes. You take a look at hate crime statistics. If Jews are on top. I don't even believe in hate crimes, but the FBI categorizes like that, so I utilize the, the, the categorization. But the cases happen within frequency. That's, that's how you know that the country is okay. And my, my anecdotal story was to the idea the country's being okay. But have I handed out cigars? Absolutely. I've handed out cigars to total strangers all the time. But this wouldn't be one of them. The one that we're smoking right now because of the ring no. gauge. Yeah. It would be t- it's the, a- the, the average person new to the cigar isn't going to – is in no way going to take this and say, man. They're, they're going to be like, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared I want my Mimo. And it will break your heart when they light it, they smoke the first third and put it out. They won't even get to the first third. They won't even get to the third third. This is, this is too much. This has got some strength, man. Mm-hmm. Now, it's mellowing out a little bit. I actually thought it had some harshness in, in the beginning. But it, it wasn't even a question of spice. I thought it was actually harsh. Um, it's mellowing out a little bit. So I'm curious to see where this gets to in the second third. I'm, again, with cigars like this, when you get to that final third, do you just become overpowered? Does it become too strong? Do you almost get too much of... Uh, of a hit, that, a buzz. Yeah, that that cigar we did last week. Towards the end, I had to excuse myself from the table and splash some water on my face. <laughs> it's like holy crap, that thing hit me. Yeah, well, it happens. Yeah, it happens to the weak minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my my. Mm-hmm. So so this is the the Padron uh, Seven Thousand. This is the it, uh, um, I like Padron. I like what Padron does. I I I, I appreciate it. Elizabeth Warren is holding a fundraiser for Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren, no PAC money, no big money in in, in politics, corporate greed, Wall Street, all the rest. She is going to hold a virtual fundraiser gathering wealthy donors, the billionaire class, and telling them how important it is to beat Donald Trump. In 2020, politics is the absolute best. It is there is there there hypocrisy. Thy name is politics. There is never a moment where people will say one thing on a Tuesday and do something different on a Wednesday. They will not change. They will change on a dime. I should say anything to get uh, the dollars. It was. Elizabeth Warren, who went after Pete Buttigieg, he had the fundraiser in the wine cave, <laughs> right? And now, and now here she is um, doing this big fundraiser. Well, someone wants to be vice president. <laughs> she has okay. Do you have, do you have picks for 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 the VP Olympics? Because I do. Well, listen, I I think I was ahead of the curve on the Gretchen Whitmer pick. I I thought it was going to be her until this whole pandemic thing started because the the dems need to take back one of the states that trump flipped in 2016 and michigan would be a number one target in my mind so pick whitmer but the way she's handled this pandemic and the amount of anger there is in the state of michigan right now for her uh i i don't think that she'd be someone that right. he would maybe uh klobuchar so Amy Klobuchar, the senator from Minnesota, is now getting vetted. 
And I'm with you that he can't pick Whitmer. It's impossible. Picking Whitmer is saying, listen, we don't mind losing. Right? You're, you're, you're proving that you can't win. And I don't believe that Gretchen Whitmer carries Michigan. I don't believe that at all. I think it hurts Biden now. At this, at this stage of the game, yes. So Amy Klobuchar, I think, does. But there's an interesting story. And the interesting story is, is that if you watch Joe Biden politically, Joe Biden is tacking left. Now, the standard rule of thumb is in a primary, you run right or left, depending on Republican, Democrat, in, our, in, the, in the two-party system thought process. And then for a general, you run to the middle, right? Because you want to gather as much of America as possible. Joe Biden started off with the claim that he's a moderate, and now he's tacking to the left, but the primary ain't done. Bernie Sanders has said quite clearly he's going to support Joe Biden. Joe Biden's going to be the nominee, but he's still going to gather delegates. Why? Because he wants to have strength in being able to decide the platform. And now Joe Biden is consulting with with Bernie Sanders on a regular basis, bringing in... um, Bernie advisors, you now have Ocasio-Cortez as one of those uh, policy group advisors tacking to the left as hard as he can. And the reason that's happening is because the the primary is not assured. I don't care what anybody says. I know it's virtual, blah, blah, blah. It's not assured. There's no faith that Joe Biden can actually handle himself in a debate with with Trump. There's no faith in the ability that Biden can actually get four sentences out without going and falling apart. None. Absolutely none. So the the pick of Amy Klobuchar could signal that he is at least serious about winning because he knows with her maybe he has a chance to still keep some of those moderates. People still think he's a moderate, but look how much he's doing to get that progressive wing. You can't win. You cannot win as a Democrat without bringing on the progressives. That, that it, it just simply can't happen. The candidate I'm looking at, she said it very quietly that she was being vetted, is Val Demings. Now that's a story. Because Val Demings was one of the impeachment managers, right? So she's got certainly far-left politics. Val Demings is the former chief of police in Orlando. And she's now a two-term congresswoman from Florida. So you've got Florida that you could possibly bring into play. Mm -hmm. You have a law enforcement conversation that you can engage. She's a black woman. So now you're engaging a secondary part of of law enforcement, especially with the Aubrey, the the Ahmed Arbery case, which, dude, those guys are going to jail, right? Those guys, they hunt a guy down and they hunted him down. I don't care that Arbery was looking at construction sites. I've looked at a million construction sites in my day. And maybe the dude has a problem. It was no reason for this. Right. Based on the evidence that we've seen. You show me something else, I'll pay attention. Holy cow. All right. And then the guy who was following, there was a guy following this guy. He was, he was they say jogging. He was jogging. He was running. He was walking. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, they were building houses in the area. He was on a construction site, caught on cameras. Um, the, the, I guess some neighbors were bothered by it. Uh, next thing you know, there's a guy following him with a video camera. This guy's running. And then two other guys are like, hey, we want to talk to you. They both have shotguns. And then people are amazed that Ahmed Arbery may have actually pushed the guy away or fought. Guy's got a shotgun at your stomach. You might want to not have a shotgun at your stomach. Right. There is, there's, from the video and from the evidence we have so far, no other conversation then. Holy cow, these guys saw someone they didn't like in their neighborhood, and you right. know where those air quotes go. Yeah. On that one, it's legit. On that one, it's... T- it, Mike, what else is this story? This is nuts. Now, 
if you want to take it out of the racial aspect, here were two guys who really thought that they were the law. You're not the law. He wasn't in your house. He wasn't attacking you. If you had all that time to set this up, you have time to call the police. Right. You could get video of the guy. You could ask him a question. He doesn't have to answer you. You can't try and physically stop the dude. Right. Crazy, crazy insane. Val Demings can talk to that subject. I find Val Demings to be a really interesting subject. And she's enough of an unknown quantity that while there'll be plenty of stuff that comes out and we learn about her in Florida, right? And things she's done or whatever and the other things she's run for, et cetera. She'll, have, she'll be able to create her own story. She'll be able to put her own message out there. So that's what I'm looking at. I think that's a strong I've, pick for him. I'm interested in your opinion on this. Do you think that secretly, if you, if you, if you pump the, the Biden people full of truth serum, that they would want the convention to be a virtual convention because of the amount of chaos that could break out from the either the Bernie wing or, uh, you know, if, if they feel like part of him moving to the left is there are a lot of people on the far left that aren't sold on Joe Biden. If you ask me what I think personally, Democrats want an EMP to destroy the electrical grid so there can be no TV or video or social media <laughs> until November 2nd and yeah. the elections on November 3rd. Yeah, that's what they want. They got they got Joe in the bunker. They're scared out of their skull. They know he can't do it. Go, let's go back the other way. On what planet do they think he can do it? On what planet do they think he can handle this? I'm incredibly amused, and I know I've brought this up a couple of times. His podcast, to me, it, it's just an amazing concept. <laughs> Have you heard it? Yes. Oh, no, you have, I've oh yeah. Listened. Oh, here's, here's what it is. Here you got a guy who... Here's the deal. Yeah, here, here's the deal with Joe Biden. He can't put four sentences together. He can't articulate his vision for America. So they put him in a situation where he's going to host a podcast, and rather than having him articulate his vision for America, he becomes Larry King. Right. And he brings on a guest. Pacoima, hello. Yeah, exactly. And he asks the guest who can articulate Joe Biden's vision for America much better than the host, who, by the way, is running for president of the United States, the guests can do a much better job. So that's how they're doing it. It's kind of hard to say that the president is a game show president when the guy running for president is hosting oh, a podcast. This is so funny. I mean, you go back to 2016 and the, the Hillary Clinton people tearing people on the right up, saying, how can you vote for this horrible person? And then trying to put Hillary Clinton up and saying, well, yeah, you, right. and now you've got a situation, <laughs> four years later, you've got a situation where for, for, for the last three years, we've heard the, the critics say, well, geez, Trump sounds like he's got a fifth grade education, he gets in front of a microphone, he's, he's terrible. Uh, so we're going to nominate Joe Biden and you should vote for him to be president of the United States. It's, this is a, it's so amazing to it's watch what this. what made the, the Tara Reid stuff can I share with you something disgusting on the Tara Reid story? Go ahead. So Tara Reid is the woman who accused sexual uh, accused Joe Biden of sexual impropriety, uh, that uh, he uh, assaulted her uh, when he was in the Senate and she was a staffer um, reaching under her dresser and her pants and, and things like that. The law firm that was representing her dropped her because in some college application she misrepresented herself. What in the hell does that have to do with an allegation of sexual assault? You drop somebody for that? 
You want to know how big and how deep the politics go. You want to know how strong and how heavy uh, they are. Um, that's how strong and how heavy they are in this, in, in this subject. Um, Tara Reid's allegations have more credibility to, to this point of the game than anything that Christine Blasey Ford had. And I don't know if Tara Reid is telling me the truth. That's what an investigation is for. The aggressive way in which media attacked Tara Reid, vilified Tara Reid, shut her down, didn't follow the story, doesn't listen to the story, don't report on the story. This is, this is the double standard. And their problem is, it's a media problem, is that we all see them. We see the double standard. You, you can no longer sell America on the playbook that may have worked in the 80s and the 90s and in the aughts. You can't sell us on this anymore. We see you. So we're disqualifying her Completely credibility because of something on her college application. Yeah. Joe Biden's a plagiarist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot. Oh, that's so – how did I not think – you son of a bitch. <laughs> that's so good. So uh, <laughs> how the, – oh the hypocrisy. It's amazing. That's so great. Joe Biden. Now, now, if you don't know this this story, uh, this uh, this this is a God. This was years eighty eight, maybe when he ran for president. I think it was the and second he, time he was he was giving stump speeches that were identical to a I believe it was a British politician, right? Neil Kinnock. Yeah, Neil Kinnock. Neil, Neil Kinnock. 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 The Labor Party. Yes, I mean, I almost identical. Even the cadence of the the way he was speaking, it was almost exactly the same. Oh my! And the media God. back then, they were questioning his intelligence. Wow. Oh yes, Ooh. I remember when Joe Biden wasn't good enough, and now Joe Biden is 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 the savior. The one thing that you're least you're not hearing is what they used to say about Hillary, the most qualified person. Hillary Clinton was never the most qualified person. Every qualification Hillary Clinton ever got was because a man gave it to her. And I do not want to hear from the feminists. This is not about whether or not a woman could be president because absolutely there are women out there with remarkable qualifications who can clearly be president of the United States and many who I would choose right now. But Hillary Clinton was a senator because her husband was president. Hillary Clinton was secretary of state because Barack Obama put her there, not because of her qualifications. When she was in the Senate, you know how many bills she authored? Zero. Now, I would say that that's, you know, admirable because I don't want more laws. I want less laws. Yeah. But she didn't author anything to remove a law, to reduce a regulation. No, no. She was a, she was a celebrity senator. And it was a get along to get along. And it was, it was, it was fun. padding the resume. Right. Padding the resume. Do. It wasn't padding the resume. It was pat, padding the pocketbook. Well, that too. Because you, you were going to get a lot of money. You know, the Russians are the problem. The Russians are terrible. The Russians were paying Bill Clinton $500,000 a speech. $500,000. I just want to run my head through a wall. (laughs) So help me, God. Uh, Listen, I have nothing against Joe Rogan. Nothing at all. Mazel tov to him and the work that he's done. You know, he's been doing his podcast since 2009. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's impressive. And he has certainly built himself up as the MMA expert and he does it he's a serious dude and he's an experimental dude he signed a deal with spotify did we go over did we discuss this no we did not the spotify deal might get him over the course of the deal 100 million dollars wow now the best way i can describe the spotify deal is to remember the howard stern deal when he went to sirius spotify is making a bet that sirius made sirius made a bet that if stern comes enough people will buy an overtime stay to make it worth their while. And they were right. And they were right. 
I think Spotify may very well be right. $100 million deal for a podcast. That's unbelievable. And there are nine guys who are going to get these kinds of deals. And that's, that's not going to happen to everybody else. I'm not expecting a $100 million deal. Clearly, I need to rene- renegotiate my radio contract. Uh, but I'm not expecting the deal. But what's really interesting about this Joe Rogan uh, deal, because I, I, I actually forgot why I brought it up. I totally forgot why I brought it up because I was thinking about the money and then I just lost my head. Um, is that this move to Spotify takes him off YouTube. And the taking him off YouTube might very well be because YouTube is screwing with people on the ideas of censorship. We know that it screws with people on the political right. Dennis Prager, Stephen Crowder, uh, right? Uh, th- things like that. And he may have said, mm, I, I think the, 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 the writing... Is, is on the wall. I think that, that uh, there, there's got to be a place to go and move to. I don't even remember why I brought it up. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I literally have blanked on why I, I brought it up. Maybe I've had more bourbon. It had to do with, I, you were talking about Hillary Clinton. Was it the endorsement of Bernie or? No, no, it wasn't the endorsement. I'm going to go back and listen to it that, that, that hit it next week. I will not go back and, 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 and just do a, a self-quick edit. But that deal is an incredible, incredible deal. And one of the things that I, I took from that is that it's the same, and the same thing is true, I think, of the politics, but the politics hasn't caught up yet. People will pay anything for something that is honest. Right. People will pay anything for something that is true. It isn't about whether you agree with Joe. It's like, it's not, what about you? You agree with me. It's that is the source trustworthy. And Everybody sees Joe Rogan as coming from a completely honest place and having a conversation that he is absolutely interested in, and people will listen to it for an hour or two or three. Three. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I only see Joe Rogan clips on YouTube. I Unless it's someone I'm really interested in for the entire con- I mean, three-hour podcast, my goodness, uh, that's a lot. Uh, to, to sit down and, and take. So he also has a YouTube channel, Joe Rogan Clips, where he takes his podcast and, you know, 10-minute clips, and I'll watch that. If that's going to be off YouTube. Yeah. This now, may right. th- this may be the same situation going back to the, the Stern comparison, and I think it is a, a very good comparison because Stern knew when he went to Sirius he was going to lose listenership. You're not going to have as many ears from the terrestrial radio. But, Free to pay, sure. Right. But who cares? $100 million. Right. Who cares? My goodness. And that's why you're seeing so many people moving to the podcast business model because you can control the schedule. And if you can figure out a way to monetize it and, and you're good and you don't have the, the restrictions that that's, you, know, you, you, you run into on terrestrial radio... Uh, but you have to be very good at it because mm-hmm. everybody can start a podcast. Oh, wait, you have to be very good at it. You have to get a bit of luck uh, in, in it. I mean, th- these things are fact that some people are super popular and some people struggle to get a thousand downloads. It isn't because they're bad. It's just because there's a marketing conversation. There's a social connect conversation. There's a there's a lot of stuff out there. And sometimes it's hard to raise yourself ab- above the, the, the din. But on, but the reason why some of this content works is because uh, sometimes it's topic, right? So the true crime podcast stuff, I don't get it. I have never been a true crimes guy. I don't understand it at all. And if you are home on a Friday night, all that stuff. 
is true crimes this and true crimes that and true crimes the other. I, I don't understand it. People love it. Obsessed with it in a way I'll never, ever, ever understand. Right? But it's authentic and people like it. The reason people engage with Joe is that it's, it's authentic and they like it. And you cannot convince America on the political that someone is authentic when they're not. Trump is all the things that you might want to say about him, but it's totally authentic. Right. And I think that's why he works. Yep. And I, I, the reason why I respect Joe Rogan so much as a, as a podcaster is he'll talk to anyone. And the person going in knows that he'll at least, he or she will at least get a fair hearing. And a lot of times he'll try to find common ground with people he disagrees with. But there's a, a true conversation. And you don't get that a lot. And you certainly don't get it on cable news. Mm. I mean, you, no, you, 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 cable news. Too often, it's four people. You look at CNN. It's four talking no. heads. <laughs> <laughs> it's four talking heads. You have three minutes, <laughs> and you, 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 you have to do ridiculous things to try to stand stand out, like uh, file your nails while somebody else is talking. Hi, Anna Navarro, uh, which actually is a takeoff of Barney Frank. Because Barney Frank, the former congressman from Massachusetts... Was filing his nails? He was, he was looking at his nails, like picking at his nails with Bill O'Reilly. This was years ago. Years ago. That, she, she's not even original when she does that. Yeah. So there's no, there's no conversation. It's how can I get my five talking points in as quickly as possible and then my hit's over. Yeah. To be able to have... And that's one of the reasons why people have gravitated to podcasts is because you can have... I mean, conversation is what we're having right here over a cigar, where it's a conversation. You know, it's 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 not talking heads screaming at each other. So, uh, no, this is this is very interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna be fascinated to watch how this unfolds. This right? New deal. How how does uh, Spotify uh, subscriptions increase? Um, and does this change uh, what other people do? And will you see other high profile? Uh, signings that go on there, but I, you know, I couldn't tell you where all the high-profile people are. How many there are? I mean, Adam Carolla is right. the other guy. Uh, right. Well, was, was, is Shapiro in that group, or is is he already doing his deal? And so that's that. I don't. I don't have an answer. I'm very curious to see Pod Saves America. Some of those uh, out there, I I don't know. But man, this is really interesting to watch because it not only talks about maybe where podcasting is going. In, in trying to really wall it off, you will pay. What does it do to YouTube? Because some pe- the YouTubers out there have only one option. Right. But if you're, a, if you're offering something that can be, you know, may- maybe even they can go to some of these places. Maybe this says something to Twitch and, and, and how, which is really for, for gamers, but other people do things. I've thought about doing stuff on well, Twitch. Well, th- this, this really reminds me, you know, when we first broke into doing this, what, 10 years ago? Well, you uh, were doing podcasting 10 years ago. Yeah, I was, but I mean, I was doing radio. But, you know, when we broke into the movement, there were so many independent bloggers. Oh, I have a blog. You got to check out my blog. Now finding independent bloggers, th- that's like a thing of the past because a lot of these bloggers either quit because they couldn't get the, the traffic or make money, or these writers who were gifted bloggers got picked up picked and up. and are part of something bigger well so that's is that, true and we were a part of that yeah. right we saw all that go down right so is that what is going to happen with podcasting where you're going to see these network like spotify and pandora start buying the rights to 
bigger podcasts, and so they, they won't be independent anymore. They're going to be part of right. a network like that the consolidation. Bloggers. And the answer is that might be how the money is made. But with podcasts, the, the one thing that's that's easier is that writing is tough. <laughs> but podcasting, you turn on a microphone. Right. And part of the problem is, is that means anybody can podcast. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but it means that there's a lot of stuff out there and rising above becomes more and more difficult. And you got to remember, Joe was a comic. Joe had fear factor. He had some name going in. And then, of course, from that MMA world, he had niche name, but very, very good name. Right. So you, it still might be while well, some people can become YouTubers and become stars you, and some people put their comedy on YouTube and therefore they can sell out their clubs and things like that. You still, in many cases, might need a platform that allows you the other platform. I don't know how that's going to go. That's Fingers Malloy. You can find him uh, online at Fingers Malloy, M-A-L-L-O-Y, Fingers Malloy dot uh, com. Wham Talk 1600 as well. Find me, Tony dot com. Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, and the podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Write a review. Leave a five-star review. By the way, does Apple start now having a, a bullpen? You got to wonder. Right? Leave those reviews so we can get our own Spotify deal. That's, that's all I'm asking for. <laughs> Write a review. Leave a five-star review. You got to do that immediately. Fanimation, fantastic sponsor. Fanimation.com. Love those people. Find them on Facebook. Tell them you heard about it on the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Fanimation on uh, Facebook. Fanimation. Uh, .com, the Padrone. Oh, you okay? <laughs> no, I, I got all choked <laughs> up thinking about the 100 mil. Um, it, we are well into the, the second third. It has mellowed out beautifully. Beautifully. A little bit of what you, I'm getting a little bit of uh, white pepper. That's you. No, you're not getting that? Um, a pepper? Not necessarily. Um, I think that there is maybe just a touch of standardized uh, spice in it. Um, I don't know if I would call it pepper. I I, I don't think I would. But there's call some it that. spice. The, I, I, you know, it's funny. I'm not. I'm not picking up no? any of that whatsoever. But that you are is kind of interesting. And everybody's going to grab what's a little bit different. I, I, I look at sometimes some reviews of where people are at, and one of the reviews referred to it as lightly bitter tobacco. I don't know what lightly bitter tobacco. Yeah, is. I don't know what that means. Maybe you take that as spice. I don't know. I think it's developed a because it's Nicaraguan. A, a nice bit of creaminess mm-hmm. uh, uh, to it. Um, there is there's a there's a there is a tobacco flavor which I happen to like. I like tobacco flavor. I like that fullness of the of the plant and and what it has to offer. So uh, I'm I'm happy and I'm pleased. And at this price point, oh yeah, this can be in your humidor and the Russell Reserve tenure can can be there as well. And a nice pairing. Yeah, not so bad. Not so bad at all. This is Eat Drink Smoke. <laughs> 